Hello and welcome to this ENT Expert Opinion uh, podcast series. My name's Niall Jefferson. Today I'm in Hawaii with uh, Associate Professor Bradford Woodworth. Dr. Woodworth is an Associate Professor of Surgery at the University of Alabama School of Medicine and holds the James J. Hicks Endowed Chair of Otolaryngology. He completed his fellowship training in rhinology and sinus surgery at the University of Pennsylvania and currently is an NIH funded researcher investigating therapeutic interventions that enhance mucosillary clearance in both cystic fibrosis and non-cystic fibrosis, chronic rhinosinusitis. He's published and presented extensively nationally and internationally, and it's a great pleasure to talk with him today. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so today we're going to be talking about cystic fibrosis and chronic rhinosinusitis. To begin with, in general terms, what is cystic fibrosis? Cystic fibrosis is an autosomal recessive disease. Predominantly affects uh, Caucasians. It's actually thought to be the uh, uh, most common lethally uh, inherited uh, disease in Caucasians. It affects about 1 in 2,000, 1 in 7,000 live births. It's about 70,000 adults and children worldwide. Cystic fibrosis presents with problems with multiple organ systems, particularly the lungs, uh, sinuses, pancreas, GI tract, and a lot of people have uh, azospermia or, or infertility secondary to the disease. The underlying defect is a defect in the protein cystic fibrosis transmembrane conductance regulator from uh, genetic mutations. So cystic fibrosis creates hyperviscous mucus and dehydrated mucus in these, in these organ systems, and it's secondary to a defect in the cystic fibrosis transmembrane conductance regulator. This uh, just gene that causes cystic fibrosis was identified in 1989. Uh, some of you know uh, Francis Collins, who heads the NIH, who's one of the team members who identified it. And since that time, there's been a, a great growth of understanding with, uh, with how cystic fibrosis develops. Essentially, this is a chloride, apical chloride channel, the predominant apical chloride channel in these organ systems, including the pancreas as well as the lungs and sinuses. And it results in a lack of transport or decreased transport of chloride across the apical surface of the, of the respiratory epithelium. And what that ends up is it results in a hyperviscous mucus, a dehydrated mucus and airway surface liquid and uh, subsequently secondary superinfection and chronic problems with uh, the lungs, which is the major cause of morbidity and mortality, as well as the sinuses. There are several classes of mutations. Class 1 mutation uh, involves uh, difficulty with transcribing the uh, gene product. And this is, uh, these patients manifest as, uh, such as the uh, G542X mutation. These patients have no protein, which actually gets translated. Uh, and no, no protein on the cell surface, and they typically uh, harbor uh, a widespread uh, um, outcut or widespread morbidity from cystic fibrosis. The class two mutation is the most common mutation. It's called the F508-DEL, or uh, some people know it as the Delta F508 cystic fibrosis mutation or CFTR mutation, and this results in a transcribed or transla- transcribed mRNA and translated protein, but that protein gets hung up in the endoplasmic reticulum. Before it gets transported to the surface, uh, it gets recognized as foreign because it's misfolded and then gets degraded in the proteasome. The, the third class of mutations results in a uh, normal amount of protein on the cell surface, and this is a common mutation here is the G551D mutation, uh, which affects about 4% of the uh, CF patients in the United States. This mutation has normal levels of surface protein, as I mentioned, but the channel actually doesn't open normally. And so there's a lack of tra- uh, chloride transport. The, the other minor mutations, class 4 through class 6, 
the class four mutation is a is a cell surface. The C CFTR is on the cell surface, but um, has a partial functionality. Um, so these patients typically have less severe disease. Class five mutation is uh, one where there's a decreased number of transcripts. So there's a decreased number of protein on the cell surface, and then the class six mutation which uh, results in accelerated turnover or an unstable protein on the cell surface. Class 4 through 6 are, are generally milder mutations and they have milder disease. It's clearly quite a complex disease with a, with a broad spectrum depending on the mutations involved. How does it then play a role in CRS? So CF plays a role in CRS because uh, CRS is nearly universal in, in cystic fibrosis patients. There are several uh, forms, as I mentioned. There's a non-classical uh, uh, CF, which may have um, a manifestation of one organ system, such as the pancreas, and less severe sinus disease. These people typically harbor the minor mutations. And, and even some people have uh, what's called CFTR-related disease, where they have maybe one uh, del F, uh, del F, F, F508 del mutation, and they have um, a higher incidence of chronic sinusitis uh, when compared to the, the normal population. So it shows that, that certainly lack of functionality in the CFTR channel can result in chronic sinusitis. With people with severe CF, they typically have widespread pain, sinus, and coastal disease, require multiple surgeries, have a relatively refractory a nasal polypose, especially in early age, and these patients uh, have uh, significant, uh, only about 20% of the patients actually have significant symptoms, but up to 100% actually have a severe disease on, or, or at least mucosal abnormalities on CT scan. So then, how do these patients present, usually at what age? So in a, in a young age, a person with cystic fibrosis can actually be diagnosed with CF because they have nasal polyps. Any child under the age of five with nasal polyposis should be considered to have CF until uh, proven otherwise. Uh, these patients typically aren't all that symptomatic except for some nasal obstruction, maybe some facial pressure, but they, they may get more symptomatic as they age. A lot of the uh, early surgeries or surgical interventions that people do are nasal polypectomies with minimal sinus surgery, and these t tend to help the nasal uh, disordered breathing that these patients have. Uh, as, an, uh, as an adult, some minor mutations may, adult, may present with uh, recurrent sinus infections or recurrent lower respiratory infections and be diagnosed later in life because uh, they may not have as severe disease as other CF patients. Most, uh, I guess, cases then of uh, cystic fibrosis would be in the younger age group when they first present. What do you want to know from their history when they come to you? So from a history standpoint, if if they're a child, they have nasal polyposis. If they've had a complication, if they've had a history of meconium ileus uh, when they were born, they have uh, pancreatic exofunction. Most of, these, most of the time, these patients are going to be diagnosed by their uh, pulmonary physicians or pediatricians. And also, with the advent of uh, genetic screening, a lot of these kids are diagnosed uh, as newborns. From a standpoint of uh, history examination, when I have an adult patient or a patient who has known CF, what I want to know about their sinuses are... Uh, a, are they having symptoms? Um, that's the biggest thing. If they have only about 20% of CF patients have self-reported symptoms, despite many of these patients having uh, multiple sinuses filled with mucopurulence, the people who have symptoms I want to try, try and treat um, uh, more aggressively than the ones that don't have symptoms. Uh, the main things are facial pressure, pain, loss of sense of smell, post-nasal drip, any uh, foul odor, and, um, and there's, of course, headache and nasal obstruction. So you've taken your history. Uh, what about your physical examination? So physical examination is going to be a standard routine head and neck examination, but 
the really the critical portion is the nasal endoscopy. When I when I see these patients, um, if you have a, a, a PEDS patient, these are going to be much more difficult to do an examination of the intranasal cavity. However, for an adult, uh, these uh, patients have had uh, multiple endoscopies throughout their life and uh, um, maybe more uh, used to the uh, procedure. What you want to see is uh, extent of uh, former surgery. You want to look for any abnormalities, perforate unsent process if they haven't had surgery in the past, polyposis, uh, extent of uh, nasal, nasal or uh, sinus purulence. You want to look for any uh, sneaky eye from previous uh, surgery or blocked or closed ostea. In particular, the max ray sinus is a very problem area because there's very little space between the inferior turbinate and the medial orbital wall. Is there such a thing as a routine investigation in these people? Uh, routine investigations depends on um, what the patient, why the patient is presenting. Uh, if the patient is presenting for a routine check of their sinuses because the pulmonologist just wants uh, to check on their sinus health, it's going to be a different uh, scenario than a patient who's uh, grossly symptomatic or even a younger uh, patient who hasn't been diagnosed yet or an older patient who you might suspect of having uh, an atypical CF presentation. The first thing is in a uh, child is to, once again, you, you check that uh, endoscopy, but you also want to know what their FEV1 is. In, in any CF patient, the pulmonary function test, which follow lung function. Lung function is determined by the forced expiratory volume in one second. Uh, this has been shown to be a reliable indicator of pulmonary exacerbations. Uh, and uh, quite often these patients have sinonasal exacerbations at the same time as pulmonary exacerbations. Uh, other, other things to think about for a patient with recurrent uh, respiratory and lower infections who has not been diagnosed with CF in the past is to think about a sweat chloride exam or sweat chloride test. A sweat chloride test is considered abnormal at uh, greater than 60 millimoles per liter, but some atypical CF presentations will present with uh, sometimes even less than 40 millimolar uh, but between 40 and 60 is a common presentation in that scenario with minor mutations. So that, that is uh, very helpful. Other things to consider, uh, genetic screening for a patient you might have considered to have CF. Say they have uh, recurrent pseudomonas uh, sinus infections and uh, recurrent respiratory infections, and you'd like to check that uh, function as well. And of course, if, if, you, if the patient hasn't had a CT scan in some time, you'd like to treat them aggressively uh, from a medical standpoint. If they have known CF, that's uh, certainly fine, but some of these patients, since they uh, may not undergo surgery and they may be, may be asymptomatic, should at least get a screening CT once every several years to make sure they don't have a pacified and um, expanding sinuses such as a mucopiocele or, or mucoceles that may result quite frequently in this uh, disease process. We've talked about a range of investigations. You've got a patient with cystic fibrosis. They've come to you for management. They are symptomatic. Where does that start? So the first thing I'd like to know is the, the length of the symptoms. How long have they been symptomatic? Is it associated with a pulmonary exacerbation? Does it get better with IV antibiotics when they get admitted for a pulmonary exacerbation? What kind of uh, treatments do they do normally for their sinuses? Are they uh, patients who routinely irrigate with saline? Uh, do they use any other topicals? Do they um, get any other administration for the sinus disease? Do they uh, take antihistamines? Do they have a history of allergy? Because um, CF patients certainly can have a history of allergy as well. Uh, which can compound the problem. The standard, the standard treatment of CF patient may vary, and there's, th these issues haven't been worked out because there's not a lot of evidence uh, uh, in terms of medical treatment for these patients. Um, there's no randomized cl clinical trials except for uh, Dornase Alpha, um, which is uh, typically used in the post-operative period. The standard treatment should be uh, a more aggressive medical management, such as culture-directed antibiotics for three weeks, Use of sinus irrigation is particularly isotonic, but sometimes hypertonic saline, which is uh, more physiologic in a CF patient. 
It can help, help hydrate the airway surface liquid. Um, other, uh, other things are a round of steroids if the patient is not uh, diabetic. It can also help with uh, some polyposis, although these, these polyps are, less, uh, are more refractory than eosinophilic polyposis, but it still is helpful. And then other things like uh, topical steroid, such as a flonase or um, other uh, a steroid irrigation, which I prefer for uh, better penetration. These patients then can be followed with a CT scan if, if they have, um, when they return to clinic, um, we check on their symptoms, check on their endoscopy, and, and uh, check the CT scan, go through the CT scan with the patient, and determine whether surgical intervention might be able to uh, help or help improve their symptoms and uh, whether they're going to be compliant with uh, rinses after the uh, procedure to make sure that uh, things stay clean postoperatively and, and make sure the patient is compliant with their uh, sinus and nasal regimen. Let's talk about surgery. Is surgery always indicated? And when you do perform surgery, do you advocate for routine mega-antrostomies, primary lothrops, more extensive uh, sinus surgery at the first sitting? Uh, this is a, a very controversial topic, Niall. But the pediatric otolaryngology role of uh, sinus surgery and these patients have has typically been um, during pulmonary flare-ups for uh, inpatient hospital admissions. Uh, many of these patients have had multiple procedures, and they're usually very uh, a small osteomatal complex type procedures to um, clean the sinuses. The difficulty with this is that these sinuses are are like abscess cavities. Uh, they have in, they don't have intact functional mucus, uh, mucus clearance, and these sinuses typically fill right back up with mucopurulence. Uh, multiple studies have shown particularly by uh, McMurphy um, and AJRA. Uh, um, they did a study showing that um, six-month postoperative CT scans basically look the same in these patients after sinus surgery. And so affecting any real change in these patients, I think, is difficult overall. And while the patient may have some benefits symptomatically, I think the more important thing here is to determine uh, methods to increase the amount of mucus clearance that the patient has. Uh, the difficulty with determining Patients, uh, candidates for the procedure are the uh, conflicting results in the literature in terms of how sinus disease impacts pulmonary outcomes. From a pulmonary outcome standpoint, um, several uh, retrospective studies have shown a benefit with sinus surgery. Others have shown uh, no benefit with pulmonary outcomes. So in the end, it's going to be up to the uh, individual surgeon about who they're going to bring to the operating room. My personal preference is to make sure that the patient actually has symptoms um, if we're going to operate on them. So I do not operate on asymptomatic patients unless they have an impending complication. From a symptomatic standpoint, uh, my preference is to do a full house uh, sinus surgery. I do give the patient option of modified endoscopic medial maxillectomies, um, also sometimes called maxillary megaentrostomies, as you mentioned. The uh, purpose of this procedure is because the maxillary sinus is the largest sinus, holds the most pus, and is the most common recurrent problem area for these patients. If you bring down the wall of the sinus, what that does is marsupialize the maxillary sinus into the nasal cavity. It makes it much easier for cleaning, for uh, uh, clearing mucus from a standpoint of uh, sinus irrigations. The, uh, and uh, the whole purpose is to uh, prevent, hopefully, uh, future uh, general anesthesia as these patients have declining pulmonary function uh, over the years. If they have symptomatic flare-ups in the future, it would be nice to be able to, to clean them under some sedation or in the uh, clinic setting. When I, uh, when I present the, uh, I'm sorry, um, modified Lothrops or draft 3 procedures are quite uh, difficult situations in CF patients as the patients who do have frontal sinuses, they're often very slender. Um, there's a big block of bone there 
And a draft three procedure doesn't give the classic um, look that you'd want because the, the sinuses are very separate and um, uh, you often have to do extensive drilling even above the nasal frontal beak. Uh, and, and so I, my pre preference from a frontal sinus standpoint is to just do a um, frontal recess dissection uh, and just manage them symptomatically in the clinic, either vanalia cannula or uh, some smaller suction uh, when they become symptomatic. Other uh, strategies are to perform or administer steroids in the MIGINS, M-Y-G-I-N-D-S position to allow a reduction of inflammation in the frontal recess uh, if they're developing headaches in this region. The best patient, the best patients for, or best candidates for surgery are those that don't have frontal sinus or have aplastic frontal sinuses, uh, smaller ethmoid cavities where there's um, less uh, disease that can occur in that region, and then uh, maxillary sinuses that are hypoplastic and bring down the wall. Essentially, then everything can be, everything can be marsupialized into the nose, and it's very easy for cleaning and for uh, chronic maintenance with, with saline irrigations um, and other topical medications. So let's talk about what are the topical treatments, particularly in the postoperative period. So what I prefer is uh, saline irrigations as a base. Uh, isotonic saline is um, much more easy to handle from a standpoint of uh, tolerance. However, if they can use hypertonic saline, I think it's, uh, it's very useful from a uh, hydrating uh, airway surface liquid standpoint. As we, the studies have shown that nebulized hypertonic saline in the lungs has been beneficial. However, I don't want page, uh, CF patients to fear doing their irrigations, so I'd rather them do isotonic rather than hypertonic if, uh, if they if they're, don't tolerate the hypertonic. The second thing would be talk about topical uh, antimicrobials. There are no randomized controlled clinical trials looking at this subject. However, there have been um, some post some postoperative uh, prospective trials looking at tobramycin uh, as beneficial in uh, CF sinusitis. Uh, my pre my preference is to try and control infection over time, and so um, most patients have pseudomonas that's sensitive to tobramycin, and I do use tobramycin sp specifically in the postoperative period and sometimes uh, uh, permanently um, in their irrigations as um, uh, over time to keep infection under control. Mupirocin is also another additive which is uh, beneficial for a staph aureus, and so um, I also uh, frequently add this for a methicillin-resistant staph as well. The other thing to talk about is uh, steroid rinses. Uh, there's several uh, steroids on the market that have uh, low absorption, particularly momedazone, which is very useful from a uh, standpoint of inflammation. Although the the uh, neutrophilic inflammation in cystic fibrosis is not as sensitive, we still know that prednisone and other steroids help with the inflammation, the symptoms of the disease. So uh, using that is, is helpful, especially for people with frontal sinuses, so we can use the Migan's position um, in the frontal recess uh, to control the inflammation and help with pressure. Uh, the best evidence we have for uh, postoperative treatment in this, uh, in this uh, um, patient population is actually Dornase alpha or pulmozyme. Nas nebulized pulmozyme has been shown in two uh, small randomized controlled clinical trials to improve uh, postoperative sinus outcomes in uh, this patient population. Uh, the problem with the pulmozyme is that it's uh, quite expensive. Patients uh, can have some uh, nasal bleeding from the, from the drug, but uh, I think with people who are, who are actually on pulmozyme already for their lungs, switching them from an oral inhaled nebulizer back to a face mask with inhaling through the nose is also a benefit in this uh, postoperative period. The pulmozyme actually thins the mucus by getting rid of um, DNA, from, which is a breakdown product of the neutrophils which uh, form in the mucus and it helps thin the mucus. 
You've mentioned uh, irrigations, uh, intranasal steroids, and so on. What's the long-term outlook for these patients? So long-term outlook, uh, most uh, most patients get num- numerous sinus surgeries uh, over their lifetime. In in my hands, uh, what our attempt to do is to make it so that these patients uh, return to clinic at the same time as their pulmonary appointment every three months. Um, that way we can clean them in the clinic and keep their sinuses clean. Uh, sometimes we don't have to clean them because they're doing a good job uh, cleaning their sinuses themselves. And we follow them symptomatically over the long term. This is a genetic disease that's not going to go away. They have their, their mucociliary clearance is completely non-functional. Until the day we can actually reverse the genetic defect, the problem with the, the CFTR channel protein, we won't have the ability to, uh, quote-unquote, cure these patients. Many of the adult patients that we see from a CFCRS, uh, CRS standpoint have had uh, pseudomonas or mucoid pseudomonas with multiple resistances as well as uh, methicillin-resistant staph in about 80% of patients at this point. Uh, these patients have had multiple rounds of IV antibiotics. They've had multiple antibiotic uh, drug resistance um, to their uh, bacteria. And so uh, it's more, instead of um, attempting to completely eliminate the bacteria, essentially what we're doing is trying to keep the infection under control, keep the mucus moving, um, and keep the patient uh, less symptomatic. The long-term out- outlook uh, from, a, from a medical standpoint is really just um, uh, targeted strategies ultimately to affect the CFTR channel protein. To that end, is there, is there a future goal as far as uh, is cure an option? So uh, there are a number of therapeutic strategies ongoing right now in the, in the CF world. The first uh, therapeutic strategy is identifying um, uh, small molecular weight compounds and, and identifying ways to interact with uh, the CFTR protein. Um, and these will be called CFTR modulators because they affect the function of the protein. A couple of different strategies exist. The first is there was recent FDA approval for a compound called uh, v- originally called VX770. Um, now the, g- the generic name is called Ivacaftor, and the trade name is called Clydeco. And Clydeco essentially is for patients with the G551D mutation, as I mentioned, a class 3 mutation. If you have one copy of this mutation, the, the purpose of this oral drug is to uh, Im- improve channel function. So this protein does not open properly, and this uh, drug actually reverses those effects, which was uh, recently published in the New England Journal of Medicine. So the patients with the G551D mutation who are going to receive the medication in the future um, the, at the younger age before lung damage ensues uh, should have a much better overall quality of life and improved um, improve mucus clearance, and hopefully not suffer a lot of the effects that patients with cystic fibrosis have to undergo daily. Other strategies include, um, uh, for in particularly the holy grail of, of uh, CFTR modulators, is affecting the uh, F508-DEL CFTR mutation. Um, as mentioned earlier, this protein is misfolded in the endoplasmic reticulum, and the purpose of these uh, modulators are to properly fold the protein and get a certain amount to the cell membrane or the plasma membrane so that uh, that channel protein can uh, enable ion transport. There is currently ongoing uh, clinical trials looking at a combination of Ivacaftor or Clydeco with another compound called VX809, which will allow a certain amount of the F508-DEL CFTR uh, to get to the plasma membrane. 
Um, we don't have the results this yet, but we should have updated results at the North American Cystic Fibrosis Conference this year. One thing that uh, I like to finish with is a thing called the final word. So it's an opportunity for you to either touch on something that we've uh, covered that warrants highlighting or maybe mention something that we haven't talked about that is important within the discussion of the topic. So I'll hand it over to you for the final word. So I, I think uh, as ENTs, um, CF disease has been relatively uh, underserved. Um, part of the reason for this is the uh, chronic uh, nature of the disease and uh, difficulty with uh, long-term follow-up and, um, and, and recurring issues with the sinuses. I think as uh, ENTs we should attempt to um, develop a better treatment paradigm to control uh, sinus symptoms uh, better, to help with overall sinus health, have better collaboration with our pulmonologists as a, uh, a newer treatment pa- paradigm to help these patients. Currently, right now, our goal is to uh, maximize our efforts as a as a CF cystic fibrosis team, um, working to work together in a pulmonologist uh, for both inpatient admissions and outpatient clinical setting to um, affect sinus health through both surgical and medical means. From a standpoint of uh, Medical treatment, I think, in the future with the, uh, the ongoing uh, research that's involved with CF, we hope that modulating the CFTR protein will become the norm, and many of these patients will uh, exhibit an increasing lifespan with less morbidity over time. Current median lifespan for a patient for cystic fibrosis patients is 36.9 years of age, but many patients have to get lung transplants and the like, and uh, our hope is that uh, cystic fibrosis patients in the future will have a uh, have a long fulfilled life that will have uh, less sinus disease, less pulmonary uh, problems. And part of the uh, ways that we can do that is to have more research into both uh, chronic uh, sinusitis outcomes as well as pulmonary outcomes. Um, and uh, these newer strategies that I talked about earlier will be uh, an excellent method for uh, future interventions. Look. Thanks very much for uh, for joining me. This has been another ENT Expert Opinion podcast. You can find more podcasts at iTunes or at the website entexpertopinion.com. Aloha. Aloha.